When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, first of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome in to From the Pink Seats podcast. I am your host, Jacob Lane, joined always by my good friend, Matthew McGavick of the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated, deputy editor over there, does great work. And of course, Vincent Lococo, former Louisville football player uh, and student assistant there on the staff with Scott Satterfield. Fellas, feeling a little spooky tonight? <laughs> feeling a little bit spooky. I, I haven't really been in as much the Halloween spirit the last couple of years, but you know, back, back in the day, we, we used to throw down when it came to celebrating Halloween. I've never been a big Halloween guy. What do you? What about you, Vince? Man, you get you you get dressed up and go out or what? Uh, I mean, I'll go out to you know a bar or something like that Saturday. Definitely gonna be dressed up. Girlfriend and I are doing something pretty funny. But uh, yeah, let's hear it. What's the details? I'm doing. So we're gonna do Willy Wonka, and uh, she's gonna be an Oompa Loompa. And she's gonna go get a terrible spray tan. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> dedication, man. She, that is dedication. I, oh, she, I, 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 I wouldn't do that. Uh, that's beyond me. But th- this is her ho- she, This is her favorite holiday. So I mean, she likes to go all out. So I yeah, that. I always feel like uh, like females always enjoy Halloween a little bit more than males. I always just feel so goofy and clunky wearing a costume. Like I think I told a couple of the guys this yesterday in our group chat that I. We had our Halloween costume party at work. And last year I was the the winner of that um, virtually, which made it a little bit easier for me not having to feel so stupid in a costume. But See, I wore, I I, but listen, hold on, let me tell you this. I, I went to work wearing a full Louisville basketball jersey, shorts, headband, arm sleeve, like the whole shebang. And I'm walking to the office realizing how stupid I look. And then I get on an elevator with this woman who's never met me. She's going to the floor below me and her just staring me up and down like, <laughs> Yes. You, got a game, you got a game or what? Well, what's happening here? You, you got a basketball court up there that I don't know about. And I'm like, this is why I don't dress up on Halloween. I feel like see, an idiot. See, Jacob, the key is to not have any shame. And I'll give you a good example. I know for like a few years in college during like Halloween parties and whatnot, I, I kind of, I didn't really get as creative anymore. So I just went to the same tried true costume. I would always go as Jack Sparrow because, you know, I had a pirate costume. I had the hat and it was fun. And I got to walk around parties saying, why is the rum gone while holding yeah. a, a fifth of Captain Morgan in my hand? And everybody's like, ah, cheering for you as you walk in with rum saying, why is the rum gone? Yes, and, and of course, I looked like a fool. But I mean, you know, that's that's the key when you wear like Halloween costumes and such to these parties. You got to have no shame and just have fun with it. 
Is it, that's exactly right. All right, let me ask you all this. What is the best costume that you've ever worn in your entire life? What's the best, like, what's the, like, go-to, like, uh, that's a bad way of framing it, not go-to. Uh, what is the best costume? Like, just the one you're like, yeah, that's the one I'm most proud of. I think probably the first year I decided to go with Jack Sparrow to, like, Halloween costume. I think it was freshman year in college. I mean, I went the whole nine yards. I had the full get-up. I had, like, eye black. I had the the fake dreads. I had the hat. I had everything, including the rum, as I've already stated. <laughs> Are you really Jack Sparrow without the rum? That's the question. Um, Why is yeah, the rum gone? For me, like my proudest is the Power Ranger when I was like a little kid. I got like the full suit, the mask, like the you know, I feel the like full everyone was a Power Ranger. I know, I know, point, but like, though. dude, when you, you put have the Power to. Ranger suit on, you just are a badass, man. Like nothing can stop you. There, there's nothing that can defeat you and you're running around doing karate looking all badass as a little five six-year-old in this little <laughs> tiny costume and i saw my, my family loves to get their pictures out of me as a power ranger um vince what about you uh i'm always a big spider-man guy so i did spider-man growing up a lot that was pretty frequent uh my favorite i guess well i mean i guess not my favorite being kind of embarrassing but i did anakin skywalker with the actual like <laughs> episode two braid you know what i mean raise on the have one of those legs. coming down yep so that was probably the one of those <laughs> might be a dumb question ones. but was that was it real did you grow no, your hair I, okay no. <laughs> like, i mean i i know you can grow a beard but do you do you grow a badass mullet that you can braid that i don't know about nah, <laughs> man this it just curls it curls and continues to go out i tried to do the long hair thing it just never worked out I, I thought that Halloween was embarrassing until I went to college and my freshman year um, was, I'm trying to going to politically say this the right way. I was, um, I was recommended a costume. Let's just say that um, by a group of, of other college students, um, a costume that I obviously didn't pick out. Um, but I was a Teletubby with two other people, full Teletubby costume. I don't remember what, I think I was the purple Teletubby. Um, and then my roommate dressed up as the baby. So you have three Teletubbies and a baby. And that was, that was us. That was what we did. We were a foursome at the party. Everywhere we go, we had to stay together. Again, a recommended suggestion by other college students, if you're catching my drift here, Uh, so that we were always together. And there I am as an 18 year old new to college. And you've got, uh, you know, these, all these dudes and girls just like looking at like, what are you doing, man? Like you could have worn any costume you wanted. And that's the one you went with. Like, I don't think this guy gets the purpose of Halloween at college. Cause you know, that's when you just go all out and do something crazy. And here I am wearing a Teletubby costume. Like, I don't think it gets any more embarrassing than that. I'll just be quite honest with you. At that point, you just got to go full send. You got to like speak fluent Teletubby. I mean, I've never watched Teletubbies. So I, I know that don't they speak kind of weird and funky or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember uh, the intro? Do you remember the intro? I don't, I don't I, remember I never, the order of it. I never watched that. Just... All I know is that they have a really queer, we, really weird, creepy baby as the sun that's really all i know they do and that was part of why our roommate had to dress up as a baby it was just it was a whole ordeal um vince most embarrassing costume you've ever worn that's what i just i just said i did the anakin stuff oh that's anakin right stuff. Yeah. that's not embarrassing well, I mean, well, maybe oh my, if the mullet right, well, braid was real huh i said maybe if the mullet braid was real it might be a little <laughs> bit more embarrassing having to go through the awkward stage of growing that out i don't feel like that's overly weird that, i mean i never really did a, anything crazy for halloween my buddy had to do a uh he would for whenever he was a pledge had to dress as the baby in the diaper with the peanut butter covered on him have y'all seen that video walk around and tiptoe on the oh. word pledge and hazing and vince just goes straight to the store he was a pledge <laughs> 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 just great 
walking oh all over gosh. my political correctness tonight on the show apparently no, we, 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 made it we, we picked up what you were throwing down oh i know you did i know you did all right enough halloween talk all right let's actually one more question real quick go to halloween candy for me it's skittles what, what about you all anything gummy anything mm-hmm. gummy is is i i love gummy worms uh gummy bears sour gummy worms gummy insert fruit here love it love it all Vince? reese's all day Okay, my daughter just Solid. destroyed a Reese's in about five seconds a few minutes ago. She got from uh, my from my work. So, all right, let's jump into talking a little bit about Louisville football. Uh, obviously, goofing around with the Halloween stuff, but we've got a lot to talk about. Louisville football picked up a much needed victory on Saturday against Boston College, twenty eight to fourteen, in a game that really looked like Louisville got it going. We're going to talk about that because I, I have some questions. I'm not so sure that the numbers and, and the score reflects really how the game was, but overall, a lot of changes, a lot of good things. Uh, we've got the big three. We're going to jump in here in a minute and talk about Louisville headlines and everything that's going around around the game coming up the game that was some other NFL headlines in there yeah and then we'll we'll jump into the best segment in sports Vince's game notes and walk through what Vince saw on the football field I've got a couple of questions there can't wait to get to that Uh, and then we're going to talk about NC State this is a game that um, uh, obviously has been extremely important from the get-go that when the moment the schedule came out this was a game that we uh, would really thought would measure how good Louisville was and sure enough well we're going to get to this game on Saturday and really find out what kind of team they are Uh, but let's jump into the big three headlines one of my favorite segments where we go around the horn here with some of the biggest headlines surrounding Louisville football big Big three yeah 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 big three come on yeah 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 matthew my friend take us to the Louisville report what is headline number one Headline number one, Scott Satterfield wanting to continue to bring pressure moving forward. Now, I don't need to rehash this too much. We all know what the main complaint over the last two games before the Boston College game game was. I mean, they wanted uh, the defense to bring more pressure to blitz more, to not use that conservative three-man rush, drop eight in the coverage type defensive scheme, especially late in the game where it wasn't working. Well, against Boston College, they did just that. It seems like on damn near every third down that – Louisville had on defense they sent the kitchen sink there were a number of five and even six man blitzes coming after uh, Boston College quarterback Dennis Corsell and for the most part it works I mean Louisville held Boston College just five of 17 on third and fourth down and held them to just I think it was 266 total yards I mean it was their best defensive outing on the year by far and I think it was BC's worst yardage output against the power five team that year and but the thing is now, you could view that as like just the game plan against that team because Boston College, under Dennis Grossell, didn't really have that dynamic of, a, of an offense. Grossell, as we noticed, couldn't throw the ball more than 15 yards downfield. So it was easy to bring pressure on him. But I asked uh, Satterfield if, you know, if this was going to be a staple of their defense moving forward, you know, bringing pressure when it's necessary. I mean, this is what he's had. This is what he had to say. We want to be able to bring, we want to, want to, be able to put pressure on offenses. You have to be able to make those quarterbacks be uncomfortable because these quarterbacks in this league are pretty daggone good. So it sounds like moving forward, we won't have to worry about if, you know, they're just going to drop eight, send three more often than not. It it seems like they're going to take what they saw against Boston college and implement it throughout the rest of the game plans in against, against like NC state, Clemson, Kentucky, yada, yada, yada. It seems like we, this wasn't a one-off performance as it pertains to, you know, actually applying pressure on the um, offense. You know, what allows the defense to apply pressure? What's the question here? What's the answer? Who knows? 
who, who knows the answer to this question? Vince, I'm, I feel like one of you all should chime in here. The, offense, keep, the offense keeping them off the field. Okay, no, that's not where I was going with that no. at all. I must have asked that question very poorly. No, what allows a defense to blitz is a good secondary. Come on, guys. I, I feel like you all should know that more than me, right? There's is a that... number of ways to answer that question. Okay, all right, that's fair. Yeah, all right, yeah. but what I will say, where I'm getting is the Louisville can't bring pressure like that if a guy like Trey Franklin doesn't step up because Chandler Jones has struggled. We talked about that. That's well-documented. Um, Greedy Vance has taken a little bit. He's played much better the last several weeks. But Trey Franklin emerging as a guy who can make plays, his second interception of the season against Boston College. Outside of uh, – in that game, I think it was Jalen Gill, the Ohio State transfer, who got an outside route, pushed off, and caught the ball on the sideline. Trey Franklin gave yep. him nothing up. That allows a, a much more um, – a balanced blitzing attack where you really can say, all right, I can trust these guys in man coverage not to give up a big play, especially against a guy like Zay Flowers. So you got to give credit to the defense there, being able to figure it out in the secondary. Um, and kudos to the pass rush. Three sacks, Yasir Abdul, first play of the game for the – I think it's the second week in a row, the first play of the game he's gotten a sack. Um, that's the kind of stuff I want to see. And you get more guys like Yaya Diaby going. Dorian Jones played really well. Um, and then, you know, you had Mason Ryger come through, I, I believe, on a blitz and force a fumble. So they did a lot of really good things there. Yeah, shout out to the former walk-on is what Vince <laughs> said. Ryger. I love yeah, Ryger. Love walk-on. Mason Ryger. Yeah, man. So you, you love to see it. All right, let's move to headline number two. We're going to take this out to the West Coast. Profootballtalk.nbc.sports. NBCSports.com is the, where the article is from. Teddy Bridgewater quotes, it's not time to panic yet, but it almost is. Teddy Bridgewater being uh, quite uh, frank about where the Denver Broncos find themselves. They started out the season three and oh, they now are three and four. They've uh, lost their last four games. Bridgewater since that game against uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, he's played okay, but more, more prone to turnovers. I know they've had some injury there. Are you guys, uh, if you're Teddy Bridgewater um, and the Denver Broncos, is it time to panic in the fact that Teddy Bridgewater might not be the quarterback there very soon? I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but I, I think, if you're a Denver fan, you have to realize that this was probably some struggles were probably going to come. Yeah, they they raced out to that 3-0 start to the season, but look at who they beat. The the, the I know they beat what the Jets, the Jags, and someone else who's winless. Yeah. I mean, their competition over the first three weeks was 0 for nine. Yeah. So and of course, when you when you have an uptick in competition, you're gonna it's gonna be a little bit of a harder time to come away with a win. But going 0 for four since going three and zero, I mean it's. Teddy hit it around the mark. I mean, you're under 500, and at some point, someone has to sound an alarm. But to to play a devil's advocate, I mean, Teddy kind of has to step up his his game too. Because I'm, I'm reading uh, the stats, and over the Denver's last three losses, he he's thrown for 809, seven touchdowns, but also five picks and a lost fumble. That's you, average football. That's not winning football. That's not losing football. That's just middling football. And and when you're a Denver offense that doesn't really have a lot of weapons, I mean, their best I can't even name their top option right now uh, just because yeah, Jerry Judy's been hurt for so long. And Right. They've the, been relying on Cortland Sutton. Um, and then they had, oh, my goodness, they have another wide receiver whose name, uh, um, uh, KJ Hamler, who is also hurt and out for the season. So Teddy has definitely lost um, his weapons. Does have Noah Fant, which you want to talk about fantasy football for a second. Noah Fant, man, we got to no, figure that out. I need, you, I need you to step it up, buddy. 
we're not talking fantasy football this podcast you you know i don't want to i don't want to say the wrong thing about teddy because we all love teddy but let's be quite honest teddy is a middle of the road quarterback in the nfl and that might be a little bit generous um denver was supposed to give him a a team kind of like he had in minnesota where you have a good running game a defense that you can kind of lean on vic fangio as the head coach there former defensive coordinator but guys teddy bridgewater is you know part of the reason they're struggling here um, he's a guy who's always been applauded for not turning the football over, but Matt talked about it the last four games, five picks. You, you, you like the seven touchdowns, the 800 yards. Like, God, man, they're not really doing much through the air. Um, I would imagine that this might be it for him in terms of a starting position. I, I really do think we might be headed towards Teddy as a backup for a contending team, which who knows, you know, we saw what happened in New Orleans. Vince, any closing thoughts on Teddy Bridgewater? I, I I love Teddy. I love everything he's done for university and the NFL around that community. I just I think his time, like you all have been saying, as that elite starting quarterback has kind of passed and just him being out with that injury, he's I mean, kind of not the same player, but why would you not have him on an NFL roster as a backup? You know he's gonna win you some win you a couple games and uh you know yeah. I could be hurting right there. Yeah, so. you could be the Jets and have Mike White as your quarterback, right? I mean, I guess it could always be <laughs> could always be worse. Western or Joe Kentucky Flacco legend. could be your yeah, right. Western Kentucky legend in a group chat today, a former WKU alum uh, in the group chat with a New York Jets beat writer, and he says Mike White was great at Western, and then the beat writer says, "Yeah, but he sucks." So, does it really matter? <laughs> Talk about so, anyways, we will we will move on. I will not name names and I will not point fingers, but yes. Um, headline number three, <laughs> let's go to SB Nation 2022 three-star wide receiver Tayshaun Trent decommits from Michigan. Matt, do you remember who on this podcast made a prediction that at some point in the season Louisville football would get it going? Scott Satterfield would be able to flip a recruit. Do you remember who said that? You don't think you don't conveniently remember that. I'll let I'll remind you. It was me. It was me. That was a prediction on my top 25 predictions of the season at stateoflouisville.com. Be sure to check out stateoflouisville.com. And here we are. Matt, tell us about uh, this name that I'm sure most Louisville fans are saying. Who is that? All right. Okay. First, you got to put the cart before the horse. He hasn't been officially flipped yet. He still could go back to Michigan. But, I mean, it is – if you read the tea leaves here, I mean, he just visited Louisville. He was recently offered by Louisville and – a lot of guys, like higher national recruiting type guys, are starting to predict that he could go to Louisville. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. You did call it, but I spent some time watching film on this guy earlier today just out of sheer curiosity. And, I mean, this guy, Tayshawn Trent, 6'4", 210 wide receiver, I mean, he's he'd be a solid pickup. He's a, he's a bigger guy, obviously. He, he plays surprisingly fast, not incredibly nimble, but nimble for a big guy. Mm-hmm. And – he he's physical. He he doesn't have a ton of vertical athleticism, but he can take some hits on contested jump balls and catches and, and things like that. I mean, my, my only knock from watching the brief film that I did, the route running wasn't, wasn't very polished. His release was kind of iffy. Sometimes some plays it was incredible. Some plays he was a little lagging behind, but I mean, those are all things you can coach up and based on the film that I watched of him, he looks like a pretty solid prospect. And if Louisville does, you know, complete this and haul him into this class, that'd be a big get. And you've already got a a couple other offensive skill position players in this class. And I'm not sure how many more they're going to go after. I know they've got Chance Morrow, Mo Turner. I think I'm missing one. No, no, Xavier, but he decommitted. Yeah, decommitted. Yeah, right. I think if if you get him, he'd be a nice... Nice replacement for Xavion. I'm not sure if I want to say better. I think about equals, but it's it's hard to determine that because they play even though they play the, the yeah. same position, they they play it in different ways. Because Xavion was 
a speedy guy who had like a four three forty. Yeah. But um, Tayshawn Trent's a a bigger type guy who was more physical downfield type guy. Yeah, I like the the potential addition to the class. You do kind of wonder about numbers here with such a small class. You've got three receivers in there, um, and I like the size. You said he's six four. Uh, they have Chance Morrow, who is six six. He's an undersized receiver right now, but I mean that's two guys over six foot three who will potentially be you know long term pass catching options for another guy in the class, Caleb Johnson, who's had a big season down there in Alabama. Um, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on first name. John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated talked a lot about him earlier this offseason when we had him on to talk football recruiting. So, uh, and also over the weekend, just another kind of random note here Popeye Williams um, reconfirming his con- commitment for what feels like the 27th time. Um, so good to see Louisville's still in on their four star defensive lineman. That's what you want to see when your defensive line has had issues. So, all right, we wrap things up here on the big three. Let's transition into uh, what the people are saying is quite frankly the best segment in sports. Vince's game notes. Vince is going to take a, take us back in the time machine to Saturday, put us in the film room, and break down football nerdy style. It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes with Vincent Lacoco. Vince, let's jump right into it. What do you got for us, man? So we opened up talking about the, uh, the pass rush and how different the pass rush this game was compared to the previous two games. What I saw a lot of was us switching more to four down defense. Like I told said last week, that would benefit us a lot more, but we still went to our traditional three down, three down lineman. Uh, you saw a lot of wraps, a lot of picks and a lot of guys uh, bluffing. The bluff right there is huge because that center is going to make that check at the start. The start of the play, quarterbacks are going to go through his cadence and they're going to snap the ball. So if CJ's in the B-gap showing, that center is going to alert him and the back could go ahead and check right there. Boom, I'm going to pick up CJ and then we're sending somebody on the other side. Uh, Coach Brown really dialed it up. It was pretty. I mean, that one with Yasir to open the game up, he sent the two guys, I think, in the B-gap and Yasir came free Dude. on the outside and it was on uh, Vrabel's. So that, yeah. that was pretty cool to Dude, see. You see her on that play looked like an NFL Hall of Famer. Just like the yep. speed in which he came off the line and lit Grossell up was just what a tone setter, man. That is yeah. just incredible. And that, that play in particular, I really like how it was, how it was drawn up. Because I think on that side where Vrabel was, they had like three guys right hovering over him. They had the D, they had the D end, they had Yasir and another outside backer who was kind of showing he could blitz, but he could drop into coverage. And like right at the snap, of course, the D end and Yasir goes. And that I can't remember who the uh, inside backer was, but he kind of backed off. But I loved how through most of the night on some of these third down blitzes, Brown took some of these outside backers. And, and some inside backers in these case and put them kind of on the edges showing where they could, they were bluffing, could, could be bluffing a blitz, could actually yeah. be blitzing, could be uh, dropping into coverage in the flats or in the slow zones. The, and the way he dialed up, schemed it, tried to mash them, throw a couple exotic blitzes every now and then, loved it. This is one of the best defense call, best called defensive games I've seen in a while. But no doubt. No, and no before doubt. you, but I don't want to cut you off, but I do want to make a point real quick. I always say I don't want to cut you off as I cut you off. I do want to cut you off, so I'm going to jump in, whatever. But the uh, the fact that we've now had these – we've had like three of these episodes, right, where we've talked about play calling and the fans have been couch play callers and the play calling is not good enough. And then the coach comes out and 
freaking calls the game of their life. It's like, what are we doing? Why is that not the standard every single week? I love to see Brian Brown. And he was just so confident listening to him answer questions last week. And then this week, the dude's not shaken one bit by any fan reaction, but they came out and they, they freaking got to it, man. I got to give him credit. Uh, truthfully, I doubt they're even listening to any no, of them. No, they don't care. Not Marshawn Ford, though. Right. Marshawn Ford was listening. To <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, I'm going to take credit we'll for that block. Well, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. back, back on those blitzes. So another thing you saw was them coming from depth. And what you want to do whenever you're coming from depth, like the safety position or even the linebacker position, is you want to get a good uh, good look at the quarterback's cadence before the even the play before or in the film room during that week. So that's one of the things that guys will look at and – I think we were spot on with how we were timing up that stuff, that stuff from uh, depth. The quarterback will, you know, go through his blue 80, blue 80, and then he'll, you know, obviously duck his head to catch the football. He's not going to just keep looking out on the defense and catch the football without looking at it. So as soon as you see him duck his head, boom, that's when you know you need to hit it and you need to get it. And our guys, I mean, it was perfect majority of the time. Uh Coach Big highlighted it, uh, what was it, yesterday, Matt? Whenever, yep. yep. So he was highlighting how well the offensive line was looking on the outside zone plays, and I couldn't agree with him more. Caleb Chandler balled out a co-ACC offensive lineman of the week. It was great yep. to see those guys uh, on the same track, and that's such a huge thing with this, these outside zone plays. I mean, just you, you saw in previous weeks, I, I even talked about it last week, the penetration was just too much. Yeah. And it's, it's just not going to work with penetration. It's, it's never going to work. And seeing our guys fire off, get their pads underneath the defensive linemen, and uh, just create these holes for our running backs was great to see. Two uh, things. One, shout out Caleb Chandler. Been a big fan of his for a long time. He is the yes. most un, he is the most underrated offensive lineman Louisville has had in a long ass time. He's going to play on Sundays. I'm telling you that right now. That man is going to play on Sunday. No, I, I can see it with how second thing. He's playing. For sure. Second thing, I listened to his press conference the other night. He's also going to be a coach at some point. The way he talks about football and the way he just carries himself as a football player is coach. Like I sat there listening to the whole thing and I'm like, this guy's going to be an offensive line coach. I know that oh, for yeah. a fact. Cause I mean, whenever you're interviewing a player, like more 95% of the time, most of them get really short generic answers that last like a sentence or two, but Caleb sure. Chandler, every time I've talked to him, he's given really thoughtful, really detailed, really in-depth answers. No matter what question you ask him, he's, he's got coach material written all over him when his playing days are done. Okay. What else we got, Vince? Uh, what else? So I wanted to talk about uh, Hassan Hall's uh, fumbling and how he's oh. holding the football and what the issue is with him. So just going back and looking at it, uh, my ESPN Plus wasn't working, so I couldn't rewatch the game. So I just watched the highlight on YouTube. So that luckily that play was on there. But Hassan is leaving too far of a gap between his elbow and it's hard to demonstrate his elbow and his ribs. So he needs to tighten it down more and even put two hands on the ball. When you go by, when you go back and watch Javian Hawkins run through these holes, or you even see Jalen Mitchell running through these holes, you see them with two hands on the football. You never want to be swinging the ball or anything like that. And Hassan just leaves too, way too much of a gap in between there, to where it's just easy for guys to punch it or rip it out. Yeah. And it's obviously, coming back to bite him in the butt, Coach Tat was trying to get him working, yeah. trying to get him going. But I mean, you can't put a guy in there that's a liability. Yeah, no, it's, and, it's, and Louisville's, nice, Louisville's kind of reached a point where, like, how, how do you use him? Because, I mean, we've seen – he is one of the more Jekyll and Hyde 
type yeah, players I mean, I've seen come through Louisville in a while because we've seen good Hassan Hall a lot. We saw good Hassan Hall a lot in 2019. We saw him against Virginia. He had 164 yards on the ground or something like that. Yeah, man. When he's yeah. on, he is on. You, but bad you know what it Hassan reminds Hall. me of? You know what it reminds me of? Before you get to bad Hassan Hall, it reminds me of Dom Brown. Remember when Dominique Brown was the running back here and he that I think it was yeah. 2014. Um, that first year under Bobby, he found himself in the, in the doghouse because of fumbling issues. And he'd always struggled with that. He'd have a, you know, he'd have a huge game and then he'd come out and he'd fumble twice. And when a guy shows you the fumbling patterns and, and Vince, this is my question to you about Hassan Hall. How do you keep playing them? At that point, you cannot trust them when they fumble repeatedly. Right. I, I, I agree. I mean, you, you can't trust him in situations like that. And He's clearly not a good punt returner. Otherwise, we'd have him back there because he is an electrifying returner on kickoff return. Because Jordan Watkins has been taking a lot of those snaps recently. Yeah, you see Jordan back there taking them. And, I mean, he did a great job. Yeah. I mean, he had that big one last game. And And wasn't that taken back on a penalty, too? Like a block in the back, if I remember correctly? Yeah, I I think that was on a kickoff return. They had one that was called. I I could be wrong. But what I will say is, though, I've been looking. So Josh Johnson was the one that immediately stepped in for Braden Smith on the punt return game. Obviously, we know what happened there with the the fumble issues. Um, They put Jordan Watkins back there for the first time. That was his first punt return, I think, of the season uh, against Boston College. He had three of them. In my – what I can remember over the last three years, all three of those returns were the longest returns I've seen at punt – and in punt returns. Besides, I know Braden Smith took one back. It was the bounce, whatever. But you know what I'm saying? We haven't really had much of a punt return game with Rajay back there. It was more of just secure the ball and take it where it is. Now with Jordan Watkins, man, and that's I know I know that I don't say that to be like disrespectful, but obviously again I we joke like your linebackers returning punts that seems odd, um, but Hassan Hall, you talk about him as a kick returner, you can't even put him there anymore. I mean at this point, um, you know I I don't want to you know dog on the kid, but. I don't know how they go back to him, especially the way Cooley played, which I'm sure you're going to get into. And we're going to talk about a little bit. Cooley to me is the guy it, from this point on. I mean, Jalen Mitchell's the veteran, but Trevion Cooley is the best running back on Ooh, that roster. Cooley's right? going to be a star. Oh, Matt, we know you love Trevion Cooley, man. We don't got to get <laughs> I have been president of the Trevion Cooley bandwagon since day one. Give me my respect. Let's I will go. give you that. Let's do it. All right, Mitch, <laughs> what else? Let's, let's I want to talk these. about that, that class as a whole. That, so that's my second to last note is that class as a whole has just really stepped up and came in ready to play this year. This is one of the few classes you've been around. I mean, you know, football's not a really come in and play immediately unless you're you're a dude. And these, it just I think it shows the development that Mike Siriano has done with these guys in the weight room to get them to that point to where they can get ready to play on these Saturdays. So I just wanted to give a good, you know, shout out to Coach Mike and those guys yeah. in the weight room for getting these freshmen ready and for the freshmen, you know, having enough balls, quite frankly, to step up and play in these big time moments. I mean, we don't win that game last week without Travion Cooley, obviously, and Malik Cunningham, too. Makes it yeah, and, it, and if you dig a little bit deeper there, shout out to Raheem Craig, who just comes yeah, in. Yeah. And he's he's a guy you got to be like, who is number 32? I have never seen that fella. And and there he is getting a sack. Mason Riger, he had the sack last week. He gets the fumble, uh, forced fumble this week. Um, I, if I thought about it a little bit more, I could probably tell you even more of where freshmen kind of stepped in. You're totally right. They've, they've gotten onto the field and they've played well, but it, there's still so much. The thing that's kind of encouraging in the second half of the season is there's guys like Ben Perry who aren't really playing. Jalen Alderman's just getting going. You talk about, yeah, there's all these guys that are on the roster that they can still get in there. And Scott Satterfield, interestingly enough, um, it kind of, you know, shocked me his, his honesty in the moment 
said, yeah, Raheem Craig's a guy we're going to probably redshirt, but he got a sack. That's pretty cool. Like, let's let's see some more of it. Like, if you know, we play three games and still redshirt. Yeah, you exactly right. And Four, I, freaking, I, I love that. I love that rule. And I love the way that it's been used so far for Louisville. Um, and I and that is, you know, they've not played a lot of these guys. So maybe we're going to get more snaps for them down the season and still kind of save their eligibility. What else, Vince? What we got? So one last thing. It's not really, you know, football oriented, but I did have to make a note about it. I text you all about it in the group message. ACC Network, you've got to be better. Bobby <laughs> Petrino is not our head coach. Dude, what was that? That was man. Okay, okay, fill me in because obviously I'm actually okay. at the game covering it. It's so just what the hell B-roll, It's B-roll footage of Louisville, and it's like their present team, C.J. Avery making a hit, and then it's like 30 seconds cool. of Bobby Petrino on the card march. It I was just... like, I was sitting out back watching the game with my dad and uh, his buddy Troy, and we're like, was that? It was. It, it was. We were so caught off guard. ACC Network, y'all, y'all got to do better. Even my wife sitting there with me was like, he's not the head coach anymore. Why has he been on the screen for so long? It was really odd how they just left it there. It was, it was so weird. It was an, but hey, it was an at halftime, you can buy a, a snot sucker or something from the ACC Network. So at least we've got that going on for us, right? All uh-huh. the, Matt, you miss out on all the great infomercials and products that they sell. The Nebulizer I mean, fami- 4000. You can, yeah, the snot sucker, dude. The, the I'm nebulizer. familiar with Alien Tape, but what the... Dude, believe, how many believe. times during that game did they show the commercial for the, the, the people sticking that thing in their nose to clean out their nasal system? Yeah, that was, it was it was pretty weird, to be honest. What the, the hell am I missing out on? Yeah, it, right. Like, so this uh, is what you miss out like on when you cover the game in person. You miss out on the fun quirks of the ACC network. But let's, let's oh dig God. a little bit deeper into this Boston College game. Um, obviously, we could go on and on about Malik Cunningham. I understand that a quarterback is supposed to throw the football and supposed to pick up big yards from the pocket, but that's not <laughs> football anymore, right? Like quarterbacks aren't doing that 100% of the time. And when a defense that's known for being good gives you an opportunity to run, you run. And Malik Cunningham did that 133 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, the guy's got 13 rushing touchdowns already through, what, seven games, six games. Don't give me any nonsense about the the lack of throwing in this game, which we're going to get to that in a second. But, like, can we just just applaud this fella? Like, we talked about last week him becoming one of the better quarterbacks in global history. I know he's not going to be a quarterback at the next level probably, but he is going to play football in the NFL. Okay, what? What do you have? What Do you object to that? Malik Cunningham's perfect landing destination is in Baltimore as Lamar Jackson's backup and wave the rest of your life. 100%. And I, I mean, can see him working that's, there. That's but, a solid gig. Okay. And, but why is he not an NFL passer? What happened in the game against Boston College? What did he miss on? He missed on passes where he had open wide receivers. It's always been his issue in passing the football. Um, his, his accuracy is so – sometimes it's so good that you're just like, holy shit, he hit him in the sweet honey hole. What was it? The sweet ham hole? What did we call Shoring it? The sweet honey hole. Yep. The sweet honey hole. And then other times he's got, you know, I don't remember who it was on Saturday running down the sideline, uh, you know, down the field with a D ball with his hands out and it just goes right over him. Like, yeah. it's just so inconsistent from time to time with yeah. the, in terms of the deep passing. Yeah, it, it seems like every, almost every game there's one, maybe two passes where you got a wide open receiver and he just kind of overthrows them. Yeah, but exactly. I'll, I'll say also this about Malik. Against Virginia, the way that Virginia schemed against him is that they took those DNs and basically tried to QB contain him the whole time because the previous time that they had, that Virginia had faced him, he ran all over the place. Well, then Malik's like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, 
dot up your defense. And that's what he did. It was the exact opposite with Boston College. Boston College, now granted Malik didn't have a great day through the air anyways, but some of their game plan was basically just to kind of hold him in check from like actually throwing it downfield. Right. Whereas he was being, he was able to run free the entire time. He's finding good teams, find a way to win and good players find a way to make plays. And this is back-to-back games where one aspect of Malik Cunningham's game has been intentionally taken away by the way the defense plays. And he's still finding a way to come through for that offense and lead them down to field, whether that's on the ground or through the air, as long as it ends up in a touchdown. Yeah, the the linebacker who was having a really good game for Boston College that went out with an injury. Um, I was reading on uh, BC Bulletin. Shout out to AJ Black joined us last week from Boston College. His quotes about yeah, we tried to you know our game plan was to stop Malik because everything in Louisville's offense goes through Malik, and that's what we saw. And talk about his ability to adapt. Um, it's not even just his ability to continue to run the football. It's how he's doing it so much smarter than what I saw last year. It's staying in there and reading, reading, reading. Okay, I need to go now. The pocket's collapsing. I have to go. It's not just, okay, my first read's not there. I'm going to just dip out and make the play. We talked a lot last year in the offseason about how Malik would force things. I felt like throughout this game, he had such a control on BC. The two interceptions, you know, I don't remember the specific plays and how they happened. Maybe Vince, you can kind of talk about what happened with those those passes. But I just always felt like Malik had this game in his in the palm of his hand. And he, you know, I know the commentators referenced Lamar Jackson, and there was a lot of people kind of bitching about whether they liked that or not. But like Malik, you know, Vince, you talked about he learned what he he knows from Lamar a lot of it. He looked like Lamar Jackson. The the slipperiness, the ability that there were a couple when I know he stepped out of bounds. I just my jaw was on the floor. Like if if you if you like closed my eyes for a few minutes, took everybody's jerseys off to where I didn't see any numbers, and you just said watch the quarterback. I'd be like, oh shit, okay, that looked like Lamar. Was that Lamar? And you'd be like, no, it's this guy named Malik who played with Lamar. And be like, oh okay, that makes sense. That that's what I was talking to you all about. Just of weeks past, just Malik being a lot more comfortable in his own skin almost, uh, just not feeling so, oh, I have to take these steps right here on this certain play or whatever. Like, I can go out and play Malik Cunningham football while running this offense that I know at the back of my hand. That's what he – I mean, like you said, Matt, last week he dotted everybody up against Virginia. This week they took it away. He said, okay, I can beat you with my legs just as easy. Yeah, it's really interesting how Louisville is adapting in real time to those things. Um, and and I thought it was interesting down the way – part of the game even though the passing offense had kind of struggled Scott Satterfield showed a little more trust in Malik and being able to lead and generate even if it wasn't through the air um I thought that just the 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 plays where they did hit that kind of you know triple option type deal or you know the multiple reads in a passing play and then a a running play where you're able to kind of hand the ball off I just thought that they orchestrated it so well um and and we can't go on and talk about the offense without commending the offensive line, because um, I know we have been as a show, very critical about the offensive line and just that we didn't feel like they were playing up to the standard of which they said that they, they had talent wise. I never thought that any of us said that they sucked. They weren't good enough. They weren't going to get better. We simply said, okay, what you said and what you guys have been talking about set the bar of what your play should look like and what level you should play to. I know it's not an exact correlation, but they didn't live up to that early. 
throughout this game, Louisville dominated the line of scrimmage. And Matt, I want to give you the floor here, my friend, to talk about the offensive line just for a second. Since people think that you don't commend them enough, can you just give them a line of praise? Can you say something good about them for how much you shit on them? Just shit in quotations. I'm kidding, obviously, because you don't shit on them. But give me one line of praise, Matt. I see what you did there. But no, after um, the first couple of games, I mean, it was a valid criticism. And many other people, and not just myself, could see that they weren't playing with enough effort now, th- there was some truth in, in the statement that they said four guys would, would be doing their job and one guy would be screwing up. We did see that a few times. But as a unit, they just weren't giving their collective all. They were being dominated by – being dominated by Ole Miss is one thing. They, it looked like they didn't. They were being dominated by EKU, which was an even yeah. bigger red flag. But I know – I remember talking to them, to both Caleb and Coach Bick, after uh, the EKU game. And they're just like, we just got to improve on our technique, improve on our determination. And where they kept saying the line, we're this close, we're this close. Like just being a couple inches off is the difference between a two yard gain, a two yard gain and a 25 yard gain. We're this close. And I got to commend them. I mean, I thought it was going to be a little bit of an uphill battle. I thought they could get to where they could be a lot more successful, but it, it might take several games to get to quote unquote good. But just in a, in a relatively shortish span, that offensive line is playing went from playing be below average to elite really quickly. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think they're top three, maybe even top in the league at allowing sacks and tackles for loss. And the last two games, they haven't allowed a sack, and they didn't they didn't allow a sack or a tackle for loss against Boston College, and they allowed for Malik and Travion Cooley and Jalen Mitchell and Hassan Hall to run for 331 yards. That's the most they've ran. That's the most they've ran in two seasons. I know they, I think the mark, the previous mark was 370 against Syracuse in 19. So, I mean, running is their bread and butter. Sad has said multiple times he wants to run the football. We know that's his MO, but running to that degree is not something that they do often just because it's, it's hard to, not be, not saying that's an indictment on how they perform. I mean, running for running for three thirty is difficult. That's it's just how it is. And the, they were able to pull it off. And not only were they able to pull it off, they were able to establish a clean pocket for Malik. And I commend them. They've they've done a fantastic job. And I'm eager to see how they're going to continue on the second half of the season because I think with some of these offenses, I know Sat said it a few times and. I, I don't want to say I blew it off per se, but you know, it's coach speak. Oh, we faced a really marquee offense. This is the first half of the season. The second half, we get a little bit better. They faced in the first six games, three offenses that ranked in the top 20 use uh, Ole Miss, Wake Forest and Virginia. And if Dylan Gabriel wouldn't hurt, that'd be a fourth one. Yeah. And then down the stretch, they face um, NC state, which is like 45th or something like that. But beyond then it's like, Teams are 50th, 70th, and I think there's even one which is like 125th, <coughs> Clemson. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, no, there, there is plenty of opportunity for this offensive line to continue to dominate. Should we give you like a every week, like a seven-minute segment? Because that's what you just did there was like seven minutes where you just talk about how much you love the offensive line. I think that's what we should do. I need to come up with a creative name for that segment. I mean, I look like an offensive lineman right now with how much I stress that you <laughs> the, uh, the play at the okay. O line that we got me was uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cooley had a run up the middle, 
and you see him hit a dude, and he's driving his feet, and he probably would have just got like yes another yard or two by himself. But you see the that whole pile was pushing line push. I think they probably got an extra five yards. That stuff right there demoralizes a defense. They're yeah, like, oh, you, mm-hmm. damn, you know. That's called bear crawl. Forrest Connolly would have had a field day over that. He would have been down there on the sidelines real quick, jumped out of the press box to get down there to, to dap up that offensive line. Okay, you mentioned NC State. Let's talk a little bit about them quickly, kind of roll through who they are, what we know, and what to expect on Saturday. Um, NC State was a team that I predicted to win the ACC this year. I thought their combination of weapons they had coming back with uh, with Devin Leary, Bam Knight at running back, and then uh, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm gonna Mecca Mezzi at wide receiver, yeah. yeah. Um, that you had, and then the the left tackle um, who came back, he's a first team All ACC guy. Um, you're talking about the easily the best kind of core group of of um, talent there, uh, you know, outside of Clemson, which at the time we thought they would be much better. Um, and here we are at late in the season, or halfway through the season, and NC State has been good but not great. They've stumbled. They lost to Mississippi State early. They slipped to Miami on Saturday in a one point loss. Um, and they did beat Clemson, which I, when I talked to, um, you know, the, the NC State expert over the offseason, when we did the season preview for them, we talked about that game. They said, we're going to know who we are after Clemson and heading into the game against Miami, they're five and one ranked 18th in the country. And then they they leave that game kind of open and now kind of exploring back to who NC State is. It's, are they even that good? Right. Clemson was ranked ninth at the time, but obviously Clemson is terrible. They've only beaten Furman and South Florida kind of um, well in Boston College handily. They beat Louisiana Tech by seven. They lost to Miami. They lost to Mississippi State, like I said, pretty convincingly. And the numbers are just kind of middle of the pack. You know, this is a very winnable game for Louisville early on. I don't know if that was the case. I, I The more I looked into it, the more parallels I kind of drew with Boston College. Because Boston College, good team, don't get me wrong, but heading into that Louisville game, they didn't really play anyone. And then in, in their losses, they were to good teams, and they, they but they were this close. I know that's a common theme around here. We're this close to being such and such. But I kind of got that vibe from NC State a little bit because they had, they had their handful of wins. They're gimme games. They got, I don't want to say blasted by Mississippi State, but they won convincingly in that one. And then you go on the road to a Miami team who is not good, not good at all. And they got in a shootout with them and ended up losing by a point to a backup quarterback who threw yeah. for like 325 and four touchdowns. Like, I, I, I don't, I know I used the analogy of Jekyll and Hyde earlier. It seems like there's good NC State and then there's bad NC State. And it really could depend on what NC State shows up. You wrote about it this week on your site um, that NC State is kind of dealing with injuries, specifically oh at, the, at the linebacker position. And I mean, it's interesting because I'm listening to the interview back from, uh, again, this is several months ago where I'm, we're, we're, we're talking about NC State. And the thing that they that is said throughout the interview is that, that NC State is so is so deep at linebacker. They go six, eight deep. And here we are, deep. and here we are in weeks week nine, and they've got what four or five guys out. I mean, they're really, yeah, really on the, kind of stretched thin. On the defensive side alone, they're short four guys. I mean, 
Second game of the year, they lost both Peyton Wilson, a preseason All-ACC linebacker, and then they lost starting safety Cyrus Fagan to season-ending injuries. Next game against Furman, they lost their starting D-tackle C.J. Clark. And their past game against Miami, they lost Isaiah Moore, who at the time could was like considered the front-runner for ACC Defense Player of the Year, lost him in the first running play of the game. So that's four impact guys, two guys who make up the arguably the best middle linebacker core in the ACC, maybe in the country, and they're gone. But they're so deep that they're like, okay, next guy up. I know next man up is a tried and true football cliche, but for NC State, it's the truth because Drake Thomas, he's – I know he he more so plays Sam linebacker and not middle, but he's he's been taking some reps at middle linebacker based on what I've read, and he, he could be a solid guy in the middle. He's got team high, 54 tackles, two picks, four TFLs, two sacks. And then Satterfield mentioned this guy, safety Tanner Engel, in his presser earlier today, who he is a little, he considers him to be one of the more underrated pieces on NC State's defense. Cause I mean, he's a little, he's seeking missile. I think that's what his terminology was. So even though they've lost guys, they're not thin per se, but it's going to be interesting considering they lost their starting D tackle, they've lost their two best middle linebackers. I could easily see this game where, Louisville decides to exploit their the weaknesses up the middle yeah. and try and manipulate that area of the field. Like maybe so halfback dives, pa- uh, passes across the middle to march on forward, you know, some some drag routes to go across the middle of the field. I, I could easily see them trying to concentrate on the middle of the field versus outside the numbers. Vince, what says yeah, you, man? You I, know I'm this team. You, what do you think? I, I'm I'm with Matt on this. I think we need to, you know, really attack the inside zone where they're hurting. Hit them where they hit them where they're hurting. He's all day. Run the inside zone to death and have Malik have the option to pull it right there with the bubble on the outside. Uh, I think those spot up routes right over top of the football. The uh, uh, I can't even remember what they're called. Like PMF, physical middle of the field. Hit a hit march on on those. Uh, you know the rub routes are always pretty. Those have been, seemed to have been working out pretty well for us. I mean. Let's hit Jordan Watkins on some more of those slant routes that you like so much, Jacob. And, uh, oh, I, I I would love some more <laughs> slant routes. You, you <laughs> name the receiver, and I'm saying, hey, buddy, run a slant route real quick. Just over the, it's always there, right? If your quarterback's good enough and they don't have it, then they'll go somewhere else. Well, I've, okay, here's a football hot take. This is just the, the hot-headed gas bag in me. No, Why man. is there no reason in a passing play somebody's running a slant route all the time? There should be. Every passing play should have a slant route. No, because no? you need to set other stuff up. That's just no, but the, okay. If you got three receivers, you put one and even a tight end, dude. Just nobody can guard a slant route. It's perfect. Talent, slant, it's trying to trip anybody. I'd run the let the running back run a damn slant. If you run route. a slant care. route on every play, they're going to know that someone's going to run it and just snuff okay, snuff that out I, immediately on the release. You're, but you're if you don't go there every way. time, and it's just your check down. It's your check down. Why? That's that what matter? they have check downs for in the backfield, though. <laughs> I'm just saying, let let your slant be your check down. Oh, we had but, like three of them last week. Check down plays the the swing route, Jacob, that we were talking about two weeks ago. Oh, two, dude, you give me a oh, good man. swing route. Please, with the running back, the swing route, please. 
But that pass, like, it looks like it would be easy in a video game, and then you watch it in a football game, and the amount of touch that you have to put on it, and also the the accuracy. And, and you got to lead of, that ball just enough to where the, the ball carrier catches it in stride. You don't want to throw exactly. it behind them, or they'll, they'll have no room to run. That's a, hard, it, that's a hard ball to catch, too. Like, I mean, you know you have a corner, or somebody is screaming down towards you, and you don't yeah, know that's what an kind of head start they have. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, that, if you don't if you don't pass that football right, that's a pick six every time because there's no one back there. So if a linebacker or safety corner reads that, boom, pick to the house. That's why slant route. I'm telling you. <laughs> but anyway, right, slant boy. Here, here's what I see with this game. I think it's going to be a shootout again because of the fact that um, NC State, quite frankly, is their offense. They have had injuries along the offensive line, but they still have two very, very, very dominant wide receivers and two very, very dominant running backs. Um, Bam Knight and uh, Ricky Pearson are going to be tough for Louisville to go back and forth on. I mean, um, you go back to Ole Miss and you you look at what they did. And then even Central Florida, um, they had some of the injuries there, but they still they rotated backs out. Johnny Robinson, that's a running back from Ole Miss. I just remember that because he was just a random guy who every 15th play they'd throw in and get nine yards with. And that's what we're going to see against um, NC State. They have so many weapons on offense and Louisville has struggled with teams. Um, quite frankly, that have multiple guys at those positions. BC, they were good up top, right? Zay Flowers, Jalen Gill, but could we really name anybody else on that offense that was presenting a threat? No, right? So we kind of know what's going to happen here. You have six guys, seven guys from NC State who at any given time can make a play. That really puts a lot of pressure on the defense for Louisville, and we're going to find out um, you know, if last weekend was a fluke or if they really are taking steps to improve, right? Right. And, and like I said earlier, it depends on what NC State game, uh, what NC State team shows up. Because I know something. One of my main takeaways from that loss to Miami is that this year in the ACC, like anyone can beat anyone, except if you're Wake Forest, and then you're just going to get Duke. I feel like Duke just can't beat anybody. Yeah, I know. But like the the league is eating itself to death, and like you've got obviously the two top teams, Wake and Pitt. You've got the bottom team, which is Duke. You can't even include Syracuse in that anymore because Syracuse has played well. And then outside of those three teams, it's like a whole middle where it's just everyone's just beating up on everyone. I feel like with this game, if you win it, um, it's because your defense did enough on some of those late drives to win they made a play they made they got an interception late those plays where louisville has been there the last few years think of a game like notre dame not that i think this is gonna be a low scoring game but when you get opportunities to make those plays and you don't make them you lose but when you get the opportunity to make those plays in those moments and you do make them you win and i think that is going to show we're going to know if louisville's defense is good enough to do that late in a game against because i think it's gonna be close i really do i think it's gonna be a three seven point type of game um in the in the high 30s low 40s because i just think these offenses are gonna go back back to back to back to back to back to back and i think it's gonna come down to the to the defense late of can you step in and make a stop late in the game can you get a pick can you force a fumble can you do something to get off of the field and wrap the game up and go home with a big victory and if you do guys i mean honestly you know that uk game will be a a monster at the end of the season but i I think you've got an opportunity to win out at that point you know that's uh, you steal the nc state game i don't think anybody here really thought that louisville would have a chance at that football game uh but they've obviously kind of had some kinks in the armor and now louisville's a chance to 
kind of push themselves back up. And the thing that sucks is if you don't kick yourself in the in the butt against Virginia and Wake Forest, man. Mm. Louisville is in the top 15 right now. Like, I mean, right. seriously, I don't want to be that Homer fan, but what Wake Forest is going through is what we would be doing, you know, maybe not giving up 56 points to Army, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 Seth raised an interesting, not interesting, I raised a good point on Monday. I mean, he was preaching to his team that, like, if they win this, they can really set in motion something really nice. Because if they win this game and if Clemson loses to Florida State, Louisville's second in the division. Because, I mean, and Clemson losing to Florida State could happen. I mean, ever since Louisville escapes Tallahassee with the win, FSU beat a Syracuse team who is looking a little bit better than most thought they were early in the season, beat UNC, who's been incredibly streaky, just whooped up on UMass, a good, not really a get right game, but a good confidence builder. So they've won three in a row against Clemson. So I could see Florida state maybe shocking Clemson. And if that happens and Louisville comes away with a victory against NC state, they're on the heels of wake forest. And that's it. I mean, and then you still, you still need wake forest to lose three games because wake has the tiebreaker and I don't see them losing three. I could see them losing a pair of games, but I think wake it, this division's wake forest to lose at this point. I don't want to say it's, impossible because technically it's not i mean it's a very small percentage it could happen but i mean you second in the division after you were finished to fix oh oh you were finished to fix okay we're finished to be god bless finishing second after you were finished to pick god damn i can't speak you, they were they were they were picked six. I'll just say that. You know what I'm going with this with this point. Yeah, I got you. I'm trying. I think I think it's time you stop talking now. Oh okay. I think I think that's where we're at in the podcast. You maybe just turn your mic off and take like a two minute break. Just collect yourself. Come back in when you're ready to offer. So I, the, your analysis is. Spot I don't on, know. I don't know why I struggled so much with that. Particular it was like sense. the pause before it, where you like collected yourself and then you spit out finished to fic. I, I I don't know how you they, rebound from that. But. To get to second after they were finished, after they were picked to finish. God, why am I struggling? Oh, I don't. I don't know why we're going backwards here because you got through it, so we can move on. Um, this game. What do we think? What <laughs> predictions wise? I will start here, and I'm. I've. I've thought about this quite a bit today of what do I want to predict the score to be? What do I think? I think this is a very winnable game for Louisville. Um, but I I'm going to go with what my gut tells me and what my gut tells me is that I'm tired of predicting them to win these games because I have one or two reasons where I say, okay, they're going to do this, which they haven't really displayed consistently, but I think this is the game where they do that and it propels them. Um, for the Louisville defense, it's the defensive line. It's the blitzing. I think they did it well against Boston College, but can they do it against NC State back-to-back games consistently? And until I see it, I just can't predict it. I'm going to go 38-35 NC State wins. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Doing what they did against Boston College is impressive. There's there's no reason to say it's not, but – NC State's not Boston College. NC State is a lot better. They've got a lot more dynamic offense. They've got arguably the best defense in the league, even with all the injuries they've had. I mean, Louisville's got a lot of momentum. Don't get me wrong, but it's a tall task to beat NC yeah. State in their house. Because, I mean, we, I, we, you referenced John Garcia in the episode we did with him earlier in the season. Who were the two teams that he said had the most underrated home atmospheres in the ACC? Louisville and NC State. Louisville and NC State. And this game, Sam mentioned it in his presser. 
this game this time around, the record's going to be better. It's not supposed to be raining. It's a night game. It's going to be a lot different atmosphere than it was two years ago. Now, I know Louisville has like a 7-3 advantage over NC State in their overall series, but I'm with you. And until I see it happen, I think just NC State's got too much for Louisville to overcome right now. Not to say that Louisville's going to get throttled or just snuffed out, but, I mean, I think NC State – has a roster has like kind of slightly edges out Louisville in the talent department, especially in the depth department. Yeah. Did you give I, a score? Yeah. Did I was gonna say you just talked again for like three more minutes? And did you even tell us who wins? No, I'm I'm saying NC State wins. I mean, I, what am I going to say? All that to say Louisville wins? No, I, don't know. I think I don't get a score. I think it's going to be it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be thirty eight. 35 NC State. Is that the same score I just picked? I'm pretty sure it is. Was I'm it pretty sure we just picked the same score. Okay. That, all right. Fair. All right. Vince? So, Coach Sat in North Carolina. I, th- I, I, I like Coach Sat in North Carolina. I'm not, I think the cards are going to win 31 to 21. Uh, I know NC State is crazy. With the yes. 10? 10 point game? Yes. I okay. think our defense, okay. I think Coach Brown is. I think he probably had a coming to Jesus of some sort that we can't win with a three-man rush, and it's kind of going to turn into a uh, – people like to – they used to like to talk about the third and Grantham thing. That Well, that used to bite us in the butt a lot of times on third down because we'd send so much pressure and get caught on the back end. And I think that's just what we're going to keep rolling with. And their quarterback, NC State's quarterback, only has two interceptions on the year. And, you know, I think Coach Brown can force him into making some bad throws, and our guys can capitalize off of that, and we'll probably get – at least two turnovers, one being an interception and one being a fumble. But we need those things in order to win. Otherwise, you know, I'm with you guys, and I think we'll lose. But I think we'll get those turnovers. It's funny. Vince texted me a little bit ago, and he said, I'm going to predict Mason Riker scores a touchdown. And I, he, did, he didn't text me that. But I bet that was on his p- prediction sheet. Crazy. I mean, after he forced that fumble, he was probably like, go, 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 go. <laughs> Riker, whenever we – so. Mason didn't always look like that is the crazy thing. Like whenever we left for that break after the season last year and we come back in January, like I'm standing over there with uh, my buddy Grant, who's a GA now. And he's like, who is that dude? And I'm like, that's, that's a Riger. He's like, what happened to this dude? And he just put, packed on some weight. I don't know what he ate or anything like that, but this dude came back just looking like a freak of an athlete, and it's awesome to see him finally getting on the field. Well, fantastic. This is going to be an interesting game on Saturday, to say the least. Again, if Louisville wins that game, it'll be interesting to see what the crowd looks like against Clemson uh, the following weekend, I think. Uh, Definitely will be interesting. The, The fan attendance has definitely been a point of conversation, which, I mean... It's like the fans don't go and then they're like, oh, there's nobody there. It's like, well, duh. People just, yeah, people just no matter what happens, no matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter what coach, no matter what players, no matter what scheme, no matter what play, no matter what, when so, someone's going to find some reason to bitch about something. Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good way to summarize that. All right, well, we will get out of here on that note. Louisville football game will go up against NC State on Saturday. Big game there. Be sure to to give our guys a follow here. You can follow Matt at Matt underscore McGavick on Twitter, of course at Vincent Lacoco, and then you can follow me at Jacob Lane 08. Be sure to check out the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated. Uh, Matt does again great work there. Any news that's related to Louisville football or Louisville basketball or any Louisville sports. 
Uh, Matt will have it on his website. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Check out stateofblueable.com and all the podcasts on the State of Louisville Network. We will check you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.